Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for downloading the latest episode of Positively Trek. We could not do this podcast without the support of our Patreon supporters, including Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, and Jim Stoffel. If you'd like to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, and more. Thank you so much for your support. And with that, let's get on with the show. Okay, buddy, you heard wrong. I bet they didn't believe the rumors on the Atlantis either, until it was too late and they were all... Otis, could you get back to work? Billups is still waiting on his peach daiquiri. Ah, keep your pips on, Billups. That guy's so full of it. Magado, Magadu, Gamado, Gamudu. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's all over the board. Hi, welcome to Positively Track. I'm Bruce Gibson, and I'm so glad for all of you to join us to talk about the latest episode of Lower Decks and... I'm not doing this alone, of course. With me, as she never has been on the show, but will be now, is Amy Nelson. Amy, how are you? Hello, Bruce, and hello. Thank you for having me on Positively Trek for the very first time. It will not be the last. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because <laughs> uh-huh. you are a positive person when it comes to Star Trek. Absolutely. And I love listening to your show. So thank you. It's just an honor to be on. I wish Dan was here, though. I know. And he does, too. Believe me. But anybody who's listening, there's a 90% chance he's going to be back for the next episode. Excellent. Of our main show, of the flagship show, and of course, of Lower Decks after that. So we're getting Dan back. So I'm taking a trip to Hawaii to rest up after doing this. No, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, yeah. <laughs> but we are here to talk about Mugato Gamato, episode number four of season two. And so, Amy, first impressions of this episode. We're going into spoilers, so you have to watch this episode to listen to this. Yeah, so I thought this was a pretty cute episode. Very episodic. Like, it didn't seem to fit in with anything but I'm totally fine with that. This was just a little one-off mission, had some cute, you know, little different A and B plots that I thought was just fun. Yeah, I did too. I like it. And even though there's episodes like this where I don't laugh a whole lot, I mean, there was a few laugh out loud moments, I'm still enjoying it. It doesn't have to be a laugh fest throughout. 
Yeah, I agree. There's some of the humor that just didn't play well to me. The poop and the sex that just wasn't my cup of tea. But, uh, you know, Shax sure seemed to enjoy that. It was a bit tangy for him. <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you here because we're a nice balance because I enjoyed the dung and the, and the no, you rolling not. on the log and everything. <laughs> oh my gosh, that mating Mugato tryst was, it was like, okay, let's get over this part. No, <laughs> okay. but it worked for you. Okay, I love it. Well, <laughs> it just kind of surprised me. <laughs> yes. And I thought it was funny. So we're going there right now. So when Boimler and Rutherford go into the log <laughs> to hide, oh. and then I thought at first, I was like, wait, are those Mugatos or Mugatos, Gamatos, are they mating? And then I realized, oh my gosh, they are. And I thought, okay, whatever. And then when the other Magado shows up and then decides to watch. Oh yeah, voyeurism at its best. Come on now, Star Trek is bringing it. <laughs> and then it's, you know, touching its horn. Oh, yeah, that was a bit much. <laughs> and then, okay, so we did the live show last night with Brandy Jackala, and someone in the uh, chat said, that's where the word horny comes from. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> from the Mugatos. <laughs> Mugatos, exactly. So, okay. Yes, so I did enjoy that. But I think even beyond that, I even enjoyed them resting afterwards <laughs> as, as the three of them. Made their escape. <laughs> oh, I'm so lost right now. I've got all these oh notes and I don't even know where we are now. Oh my gosh. But yeah, no, I mean, it wasn't like, I wasn't hilariously like laughing so loud, you know, but I just, mm -hmm. I found it humorous. And then I did like Shaq's and the dung. I mean, not so much the dung, but I just liked how he was like so intense of trying to find the Magado that he's just like, you know, mispronouncing different names, you know, the word for it. And then he's, you know, tangy and tasty and all that and fresh or whatever. And just like his intensity, it's <laughs> just making yes. me laugh. And Mariner and Boimler's reaction, like, I think we're on the trail. You don't need to do that anymore. And then their throw up faces. That was funny. That was funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, so now let's talk about the very start of this episode, because we had Boimler and Rutherford, and they're playing Ambu Jitsu from TNG, which we saw Kyle Riker yes. and his son doing that. And the beautiful outfits were just perfect. I loved it. The red and the white, perfect. Uh, have we ever, I'm sure someone's cosplayed that. Did you see that any like that this year? Oh, not this year. Okay. It's pretty slim pickings, but yeah, yeah I'm We've seen it before at STLV. I'm sure. I think that yeah. thing would be hot to walk around in all day. Yes. Agreed. Now, I did have a question at the very beginning. Those scientists that were, you know, searching for the Gamatos and then they found one, their faces like changed out of fear because it came out of the bushes. What was that? Do you know what that is in reference to? Like, why did their faces go round all of a sudden? Because they're uh denobulans and like flocks and i don't know if we did we ever see flocks's face do that not that i i didn't know what this reference was i think that's what it was supposed to be like i think his you know because he can do that weird smile real big or whatever yeah. and stuff and i think his 
I think I do remember something about his face flaring up at one point. Not quite okay. to that extent. Right. Okay. <laughs> but Denobulin, got it. That's what I think that all is. Yeah. Okay. So I have in my, no- my notes, puffy faces. Yes. <laughs> that's that was quite interesting. I was like, oh my gosh, wh- what's that reference? So I had to ask the expert. Yeah. Well, no, the expert's not <laughs> on the show right now. <laughs> <laughs> but Dan would know really well. He would know that, so. But yeah, they were on the planet Frylon 4, which I don't think we've ever heard of before. Yeah. That's and we a know new one. that the Megados are not from this planet. So mm-hmm. they've been brought here, which we later see the Ferengi, which I did like seeing the whips. Yes. That was hilarious. I love Lower Decks laughing at itself when Mariner's like, Are you guys like the last outpost Ferengi? Like, Totally funny because I just covered the last outpost on Galaxy Class. So it was very fresh in my mind with the the fur outfits. And then we've got this Ferengi wearing the fur. Absolutely throwback. Loved it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Since this is your first time on Positively Track, just tell people really quick a little bit about yourself. I wanted to do that and I totally forgot. I'm sorry. But I, I, because not everybody knows Amy Nelson. I just assume everybody does. No, no one knows me. (laughs) Everyone knows you, Bruce. (laughs) Well, Bruce and I, we met over on Trek FM and have a wonderful friendship. Every time you come out to Vegas, we get to go to dinner. You've got some conferences and stuff. Uh, but we have a podcast together, and um, I really love Next Generation, so I have my own podcast called Galaxy Class, and then I'm also hosting All Good Things, which is about all of the classic Trek, and yeah, been in the podcasting world about three, oh, going on four years in November. Oh my gosh, Bruce. No, I thought it was longer than that. It's longer, hasn't oh. it? I don't know, because we met... Yeah, five years. Yeah, that sounds right. Yes. Yeah, because the 60th, or the 50th. Yeah. Yeah. And then I podcasted after that. Yeah, we met at the 50th fan event at Paramount Studios. The first time we met, even knew of each other, was at that. And Mm -hmm. I was just starting, getting ready to start Literary Tracks. Yeah. So I remember. I, and I was just an Uber fan. Yeah. I just was, yeah, fangirl. <laughs> and I remember saying, well, I'm told it's a secret, so don't tell anybody, but I'm going to be doing literary treks soon. So you'll be hearing me on Trek FM. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, shortly after that, then you were there too. Yeah. The then network. I was, yeah, hosting Earl Grey and The Edge we did together. So. Yeah. And look at you now. You're drinking something that I don't think Coffee. is Earl Grey. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's that Rattagino. <laughs> mm, sounds lovely. <laughs> well, I bet bartender Honus didn't give that to you because, you know, he's got all the secrets of what's going on in the Cerritos. He does, as does every good bartender. And he, man, he likes to spread the rumors. I thought it was so well done. And I really noticed... You know, when you talk about live action, you're like, oh, the camera angles and the lighting. You don't really say that much about animation, but Honus and the dim lights and the spotlight on Mariner and his shadow of his face when he was telling the secrets. Absolutely love that direction. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. It's like every time he's like, I'm going to tell you the story, then the lights change. He's in the shadows. (laughs) And then somebody calls out, his he's not doing his job he needs to yeah. get the drinks or whatever so <laughs> hang on to your pips 
<laughs> yes, that's it. I wanted to write that one down. I forgot. I remember thinking I love that line. Hang on yeah, to your pips. <laughs> I wish Gladys Knight was in the bar and he said that to her. <laughs> Perfect. Oh my gosh. Yep. We need Gladys. <laughs> like if you be on the uh, holodeck and Gladys Knight said, hang on to your pips. And she's like, they're here. Don't worry about it. I got them. Um, but yeah, he starts telling Boimler and Rutherford, like, you know, oh, what do you know about this Mariner? You know, she's a secret black ops in Starfleet. She's a killing machine. You know, you don't really know her. You know, look at her over there. And she's playing with the knife in her hand between her fingers. And like, she is kind of a bit scary when we start off this episode. Oh, yeah. And I put in my notes, like the first watch I was sold. I was like, oh my gosh, she caught the tricorder. Like, that was crazy. You know, she's like, did you see that? And they're like, oh, maybe she's got some skills. You know, she, they just got beat up from Amber Jitsu and now she's pulling this. And oh, yeah, I, I was believing it all through the episode. Really? I was believing yeah. some of it too. Um, but I was wondering, like, is this true or not? Because they've made her very mysterious. She has served mm-hmm. on five ships. Last episode, they said she f- served on five ships. We know she served on Deep Space Nine. She's still an ensign. So, but she's been around for a while. What is going on? Like, there's more to her story, and we're getting little bits and pieces. Like in this episode, we're told she served on the USS Atlantis. I don't know if we knew that before, but I just feel like we're getting little bits, and I'm just wondering what what do we not know about Mariner? You know, right. You know, she and Boimler's like completely well, she keeps getting demoted and, you know, coming up with all the reasons to sort of not believe. But man, they they play it really well. And with Rutherford and then when they see her stabbing shacks and sucking his blood like that, that yeah, was you very think of well that? played. Like at that point, I was like, OK, that can't be what it looks like. I'm yeah. thinking, OK. She, I, even if she was a secret ops agent, I don't think she would stab Shax and, and look like she's eating him or sucking the blood out of him. I was like, there's something going on. Then I started to wonder, is she really herself? Are they on some kind of like, did she get infected with something? You know, that's what I was thinking when I saw that, because it was a little over <laughs> pushing the envelope. And I was like, well, maybe something with that Gumado Mugato you know, maybe bit her. And so she turned, maybe we're getting into like walking dead, you know, scenario. Cause yeah, that was really crazy. (laughs) But then when they went running out, they're like, the Mugatos are out there. Well, she's in there. (laughs) I thought that was funny. (laughs) I love when she's like, Mugato stampede. Ah," You know, I don't know why stampede Mugato stampedes just was hilarious to me. That line. (laughs) I don't know. Um, but then back on the ship, we have Dr. Tiana and Tendi. And Tendi is now given this assignment because there's a lot of crew members who have not had their annual physical examinations. And so that needs to be done. And I didn't find the storyline all that interesting until we got further into it. But she's just going around scanning people. And I'm like, that's it? They're putting off a physical go exam that takes like three seconds <laughs> non-intrusive and yeah <laughs> you know i was like what but it was cool seeing stevens she scans stevens for his dna scan and then she scans jet and um and oh oh kayshawn oh. which we're not we where, why why we keep seeing kayshawn but not hearing him <laughs> i know right i loved kayshawn 
I know. But I really liked that we're getting Tendi. This is now two weeks in a row that she's gotten a special assignment from Tana. Yes. So I'm wondering if she's going to move up faster than the rest. What do you think? Possibly. Yeah, because, yeah, she's giving these solo assignments. Mm-hmm. I mean, last week she chose to take Mariner with her. She didn't have to do that. Right. I mean, she could be the first one to leave Lower Decks. Oh. I mean, they all can't stay there forever, right? Yeah, but don't say that. No, I oh, I know. <laughs> I love Tendi, but I'm just seeing that. And I was like, you know, it would be an interesting storyline to have someone leave Lower Decks and the repercussions yeah. of the rest of them that have to stay while she's at a senior officer poker game. Well, I mean, they are kind of building towards her confidence because we see at right. the start of this that, you know, the other officers are pushing her aside when this is her patient to deal with. And then at the end of the episode, we see her like, I'm taking over. This is my patient until she's told that that wasn't her patient. Yeah. <laughs> By the doctor, though. Yes. <laughs> so what did you think of the doctor being her having her little kitty spat because she's the one patient at the end that wasn't identified that Tendi figured out that, she, that even the own doctor doesn't want her on physical exam. Well, you always hear doctors make the worst patients, and so we're just going along with that trope. But I thought this scene was absolutely cute. I grew up with cats in the house. My mom was a cat person all the time. We had cats. And so I have had my fair share of chasing kittens and cats and looking under the beds and, oh my gosh, at just took me back and I absolutely loved it. I love seeing uh, Dr. Tana go into that feline flight or fight. Yes. You know, I, I thought it was great and I loved seeing her that she can be this cat and she's this doctor. I just feel like we're getting to know her character more. And then the lovely scene with her and Shaxx, they're. <laughs> Little romance. Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, you can come to my quarters. <laughs> I've just had my physical, so I can heal you all night. I was like, oh, goodness. <laughs> I, I'm glad you said we're getting to know her character more in this episode. I do remember thinking that. It's nice to really start to get to know her more. I mean, we got to know her last episode when she got in the box. and That was cute, you know, and we're seeing more of her cat-like characteristics come through, which I think just only adds to the diversity of the characters, and I, I love it. Yeah, and this just reminded me that we have two cats, and they're due for their physical, and mm-hmm. we tried to take them a few weeks ago, but we had a hard time, like, getting one of them to get into yeah. her little pet taxi, and so we decided we'd put it off for a little while and try again, and we need to do that. But now mm-hmm. I'm going to be thinking about this episode as we go through yes. that. I'm not going <laughs> to break my arm over it, though, <laughs> like Tendi does. <laughs> yeah, that break looked terrible. Like, you could see the hole in her arm. I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> that's, that's pretty severe for <laughs> just trying to get a scan. I know. And you saw the a little bone Sticking out. Yes. That freaks me out. I know. Oh, and that you know what? pretty graphic. It reminds me now of that very, very, very first episode where uh, Boimler, where uh, Mariner cuts his leg and you saw some flesh. Yes. On his leg. Uh, yes. It just reminded me of that. Because I think yeah. you could see some bone through this. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is gross. 
Mike McMahon, if you're oh. listening right now, then stop this. That's freaking me out. Don't don't show any more bone like that. Yeah. You can you can talk about skin because I like that whole exchange between Boimler and Rutherford about skin. <laughs> okay, I have to comment on that. I really, truly am loving Rutherford's character. And in part, this just endeared me even more to him. Where, Because I've been in similar situations where someone's like talking and I just sort of miss what they're saying. <laughs> right. And Rutherford's totally, you know, because Boimler's like, we don't have our arm muscle. We've got this skin, our brains. And Boimler's like, Skin, what that doesn't even go along. And I've been in the shoes with Rutherford, especially while podcasting. <laughs> like smarter people are making these references and going along with their strain of thought. And then I come in, I totally miss the mark. And that was Rutherford. And he rolled with it just fine. Oh, yeah. Well, brains are under your skin, you know, <laughs> trying to cover it. I have done that so many times. <laughs> I just absolutely loved, loved that. Yeah, I do. I can totally relate to that, too. I mess up all the time. Again, that's why we have Dan on the show. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to probably mess up the two of us here throughout the show anyway. So. Right. <laughs> People are yelling at their speakers right now. Stop it. You guys are wrong. You got that wrong. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know I'm with you on that. I do, I I do like Rutherford more. Like this is a really great season because we've gotten through season 1 and my favorite character so far in the series has been Mariner. I just mm -hmm. I I I would say I kind of relate to her probably the most in a way because but less this season. And I'll tell you the reason I felt like I related to her last season is because she was very much pointing out how upper management <laughs> was not always getting it right and come on people like think logically or like this is not brain surgery come on people and that was like relating to that if so many times i've been in meetings or whatever i'm just like what are these people doing right that's what more i was relating to this season she seems to be attacking people more yes <laughs> that part i don't relate to <laughs> i think you just relate to her because you really are in section 31. I am a secret yeah. agent. Yes. <laughs> I am wearing black right now. So I know when you, I remember when they made the announcement of section 31, you were all over it and you want to see the show. And I still do. I still yes, really want to see that. <laughs> I just wonder where Georgia lands. Okay. We're going to go on a little side tangent. Cause that's okay. what you get with me. I don't, I'm going on side tangents here. So why is my accent changing? Anyway, <laughs> I don't know why, but, <laughs> but oh, I have a comment about that. So don't let me forget. Okay. So I want to know, and I want to know what you think, where does Giorgio land after she goes through the Guardian of forever? Where do you think she ends up? That is a very good question. I, or where do you think you want her to land up? I think, and this is just as of right now, because, you know, our our opinions change. But wouldn't it be amazing if she went back to the Enterprise oh. Mirror Universe? Oh. Yeah. Because we know further back in time, the, the streams are a little closer, right? So even before Pike, go back to Enterprise, where the Mirror Universe, where I felt... Enterprise did the mirror universe best. And then we could pick up some storylines from Enterprise. Oh, I'm so giddy. I love that idea, actually. <laughs> Wouldn't that be 
great. I just, I really feel like Enterprise did Mirror Universe best. It makes sense there. And she could go back and work her magic there. Yeah, because you're talking about the NX-01 from Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah, when we saw the Mirror Universe at the end of the fourth season there. Exactly. And And then we could sort of not have These Are the Voyages and have Enterprise continue on a little bit more. Bring the cast back playing their counterparts in the well scott bacula died archer died in that episode but they probably can't afford him anyway (laughs) i don't know (laughs) but they could bring in and then we have you know empress hosi soto there like i mean like yeah i love this idea yeah okay so where are you thinking well what i was thinking which i loved just as much but i'm now thinking i like yours a little better right now (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking of her, won't be in the mirror universe. It would be in the prime universe. Okay. But she walks through the Guardian of Forever and we see her on Deep Space Nine. Because that's where the whole Section 31 in the franchise started. So why not start the series there? Because we were introduced to Section 31 on Deep Space Nine with uh, Bashir. They were trying to recruit Bashir. Yeah. So I thought it would be interesting then to return to Deep Space Nine. But I, I know it would be, I'm not saying like, oh, she's there and there's the cast and the crew, but yeah. just more like it's like the cold opening where she's like, shows up on the space station. And they now have that thing called the volume that they're using where you, they create like this oh, yeah. artificial they're environment. Filming. Yeah. Right. They could do that for Deep Space Nine and just have her show up and like, where am I? You know, and maybe Quark shows up. And she has an exchange with Quark, and then the show starts. But it doesn't, the whole thing doesn't take place in Deep Space Nine. It's just like that's the start. Like the cold open. Yes. yes. Ooh, I like that too. And I like that you're saying that she's in the prime. Yes. Because then, oh, but if she's on in the 24th century. Yeah. So then we wouldn't get Jason Isaacs. No. No, you wouldn't. No. Yeah. I was hoping to rope him back in because he was so good as Lorca. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, who knows? There's so yeah, many good That's ideas. why I sort of wanted to go before, you know, so that we could get Lorca. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm for that. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Lower Decks. Oh, my gosh. We yeah. We gotta go back to Lower Decks. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and then we did get a Section 31 call-up from Rutherford. Yes. <laughs> Well, and Boimler, man, he was listing off, well, they wouldn't put an operative. Well, they did that with <laughs> Tuvok and the Maquis, and they... Yeah. <laughs> it's cute. I wrote that down. Starfleet Intelligence does it, and Tuvok did it when he infiltrated the Maquis, and there were a ton during the Dominion War. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there is another line that... So I watched the episode three times. Every single time, it got a chuckle out of me. When they uh, put the tractor beam, <laughs> the ship blows up. Yes. <laughs> the captain's like, what are you doing? Man, that was the lowest tractor factor. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Is that not the funniest line ever? That is just perfect. <laughs> tractor factor. Yeah, that that was funny because, and then we find out later, this guy's name is Mr. Hyde. We have not figured out, because we were talking in the live show, no one seemed to know like what species he is, so I looked up on Memory Alpha, and it just says humanoid, which, yeah, duh. Yeah. So we don't really know what alien species he is, but his name is Mr. Hyde, and his ship is called the Lady Jane. I oh. just thought that's a funny name for this alien to have a ship called Lady Jane. <laughs> hmm. I wonder what that is in reference to. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. 
maybe it's somebody on the staff, you know, you know that that grandmother's name yeah. is Lady Jane. <laughs> named, right? I, I don't know. I don't know. So it was interesting because uh, Freeman, you know, was warned, well, this is what's happening and they're pretending to lose ships and stuff. So I'm like, okay, so here's this guy. Is this the first time he's doing it? Then how could it be a pattern? And if it's not the first time, how is he getting all these ships? I assume blowing up. Yeah, I assume that he this is not the first time, but yeah, that he's getting multiple ships somehow. I mean, he could have take them, taken them up on the offer right of the shuttlecraft, and then he takes the shuttlecraft somewhere, does the same thing with another ship, and everywhere he goes, he acquires another ship through it. I don't know, because he gets the whole gamato, so, <laughs> as they <Yeah>. said. <laughs> well, yeah, because I was like, well, if he leaves with the Star sh- Starfleet shuttle, then the next time he tries to pull it, a Starfleet shuttle is not going to break apart under anyone's tractor beam. So I... I I don't know. That sort of threw me off. Unless I was like, I don't it, know. Unless he puts it like on a self-destruct when the tracker beam comes on to make them think. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't know. They'd have sensor readings for that, but we didn't investigate fully. You're trying too hard to put logic I into know. a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we do as Star Trek fans, right? So. Yes, Absolutely. And can we talk about Rutherford and Boimler saving the day yes. with the PowerPoint presentation? Yes. I want <laughs> you to talk about that because, and I, for those who don't know, because you didn't hear us talk before the show, before we started recording, I told Amy that I asked her to be on this episode. And after I asked her, I realized that was a great call because it didn't occur to me until after I asked her. And I'm going to let her tell you why. Well, a couple of things. I am in love with them coming with their PowerPoint presentation to talk about the cost benefit analysis for greater long-term profits. Absolutely using their brains instead of the brawn, like, and getting to recognize the diversity and then Mariner being so impressed. These geeks are going to get us out of here with their diplomatic and, and, oh, saving us, negotiating us to safety using the power of math. And I'm like, what? So listeners, I'm a math teacher. Uh, and when Tilly in Discovery is like, that's the power of math, right? When they got themselves out. Absolutely love it. And what I love that Lower Decks is doing differently than what they did in Discovery is use math in a different way. We see it all the time with sciences and stuff, but math is used everywhere in the business world as where in addition. So we're getting to see the versatility of math. And I love that Star Trek is highlighting it. It seems to be very forward with their STEM push. And I, for one, am loving it. Absolutely. That's so great. I'm glad you're loving that too. And yeah, I mean, hearing that line, anytime I hear math, I think of you, you know, in Star Trek, because you are a math teacher and you love Star Trek. But you're right. I mean, we do use it probably more than we think we do everyday life. I'm just even thinking my job. There's so many times we're on calls with the owner of our company and he always says like, don't explain things to me, just throw me numbers. I work better with numbers. And then you 
say like, okay, well, we can get this many to sign up at this rate. And he goes, okay, so that would mean we would make this in a month, which means in 12 months we would make this. And he's doing off the top of his head, you know, rounding it. Wow. Yeah. And it's like, and we have to be on. I mean, we're always throwing numbers out because that's what mm-hmm. speaks. That's what, you know, that's what the business is about is numbers. Exactly. And that's exactly how you talk to Ferengi, this capitalistic <gasps> society. You know, that's what that's how you do it. I just realized that the owner of our company is a Ferengi then. Yeah, he must be. <laughs> no, I don't think he's quite a Ferengi. He's better than that. <laughs> but yeah, that's so great. I'm glad we talked about that because that was one thing I did not want to miss. If we had finished this episode without talking about that scene, I would have been really disappointed. Well, and I liked how, you know, they sort of started us off with, like you said, that compromise game, Diplomat, and how TNG Picard that is. And then to use that with math at the end to save the day was a very nice bookend to the episode. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about this because you and I have not talked since Lower Decks premiered. Like, it's, it's sad. We are failing on our friendship. Yes, we are. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the pandemic and everything's weird right now anyway. So I do want to know from you, because you're a huge TNG fan. Of course, you're a huge Star Trek fan, but TNG is the primo top of the list. Mm -hmm. What do you think of Lower Decks being such a big TNG fan? Because it's a love letter to TNG. Absolutely. And seeing Riker and Troy on it just, you know, makes (laughs) me so happy. And they throw these TNG references and a lot of TOS too. I just sometimes miss it. And thankfully, I podcast with others <laughs> who keep me up on the TOS references. But I, I love it. I love that we're getting back to more of this episode, episodic TV. But the references and how they say it and how they present it, they're laughing at themselves, which is the perfect for a cartoon. I just, I think it's perfect. And laughing at all the silly TNG, like the last outpost Ferengi. We all know that's hilarious and what a bad start they got. And so we're laughing at it here. And it's just perfect. And it's like sort of smoothing everything over. It's like, oh yeah, it was a rough start, but look, we can laugh at it and we can still enjoy it, even though it was not the best. Yeah, because it really does show that they know TNG and, like you said, TOS or any Star Trek, but it seems to play more on the TNG angle of things. And it really is something that they're showing that we're poking fun at something we love, that we enjoy, and they're doing all these little references. Like, to me, if, Amy, you were creating a Star Trek cartoon that's supposed to be comedy, I think you would do something very similar to this. Agreed, yeah. And just the little one-off lines that don't really mean anything but add that context and you you get that from them and you're like yeah they know star trek from some of their deep cuts they they know it and they love it and they're paying homage to it i think the only difference is if you're if you did a series it would feature troy in every episode <laughs> of course <laughs> <laughs> But Jonathan Frakes has been so funny on this. I wanted to ask you, and I know this was more from last week, but we get we see Riker, obviously, in TNG and in all of the movies. And then we don't see him for a while. Now we're getting to see him here, but we also see him in Picard. Now, with TNG Riker, 
we know and we've seen him progress. And then in Picard, like he's retired Riker, but still comes out to save the day, obviously, end of Picard. But in that middle, we have Lower Decks Riker, who seems so abrasive, so action-oriented, so throwing the rules out. Like, how how are you connecting TNG Riker with Picard Riker with this lower decks in the middle that just seems so out of character from the start and end. Yeah. I, I don't look at the lower decks Riker as being the true Riker. I look at it as the exaggerated Riker, meaning that I think of all the characters as being an exaggeration portrayed in the animated series that if we saw a lower decks live action version of these characters, I don't think they would be as over the top. Right. Mm. So I think even Boimler wouldn't seem quite as Boimler because in live action that he would on a cartoon. So even right. if we get all these other Star Trek cameos of characters that we know coming in, I think they'll all be a little over the top. So did you think Tom Paris was over the top? Uh, not necessarily in the way how he acted in the series, but I do think that I don't think he would jump so much at the whole Kazon thing mm. like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I don't think he would speak through a plate. Um, <laughs> of course, but, right. but no, I just think things are a little exaggerated. But outside yeah. of that, I do think that Riker may be a little more action oriented at this time because he's leaned the Titan and it depends what kind of missions they've been on lately. Cause it is kind of indicated as if they've been involved in a lot of things yes. and that they're forgetting that, you know, why did they really join Starfleet to begin with? Mm-hmm. And as time goes on, I'm sure the type of missions they go on changes and the types of assignments he has or other ships he might take over changes. So he kind of probably, you know, fills in the role that's needed at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's my Riker philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> so so what did you think of Patingi? Oh, that's so good. I was just going to bring him up. Okay. <laughs> I thought he was funny because... Well, just because he was a short-lived character, he reminded me of like the crocodile hunter, you know, out there looking for something and like, I know it all and all this stuff. Uh, I like the fact that he leads us to believe that maybe he has written five books on Magatos, but really he's only read five books. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And he does say Mugatos, Mug- Mugatos, or so I forget. He says, they all say it weird. That confuses my mind as to how you oh, actually yeah. pronounce it. Yes, Mugu Toes was Mugutus, even said. That's it, Mugu Toes, <laughs> whatever. You say tomato, I say tomato. Exactly. So I thought that his character was very telling and a commentary on social <laughs> issues of here we have this layman pretending to be a scientist and knowing everything and this biologist and, and he's only read a few books. So he wasn't truly the scientist that he was. Well, he didn't proclaim to be, but he said he was a renowned biologist, right? Yeah. Okay. So even better. So he's saying he's this biologist has no credentials, but is, getting others to follow him. And I'm like, hmm, 
Let's let's not follow the wrong layman. Let's follow scientists, real scientists who have degrees, because otherwise we might end up like Patingi and getting our heads bitten off because we followed the wrong crazy scientist. That's and a good I point. will just leave it there. Yeah, like maybe he read books, but if it was in today's day and age, maybe he'd say, Well, I've read a lot of things on Twitter. And Facebook, and so I went out there, and now I'm an expert, and you're not. Yeah. <laughs> when so many people are claiming to be experts on the coronavirus and stuff like that, it just, it was very, I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what you see, people talking and not knowing, yeah. and then others following, and it's like, no, please, let's just follow the science and not what people think that they know enough. Yeah, even Boimler and Rutherford were like, oh, he seems to know what he's talking about. We'll follow him. He sounds like he's he's an expert, right? But he's not. Yeah. Yeah, you can't take it at face value. Yeah. Speaking of, what species was he? (laughs) Yeah, right? Oh, wait, I have to look. That one I didn't look up. I'm going to look him up right now. So, Patingi. Okay, so Patingi, let's see what Memory Alpha has to say. A Tellarite. I was wondering. Oh. We talked about this in the live show, but he didn't quite look 100% Tellarite to me. I mean, the nose did, but I still yeah. wasn't too sure. I mean, Yeah, you said Tellarite. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, Memory Alpha isn't the official word, but I mean, we'll go with Tellarite, or it could be a hybrid of a Tellarite and something else. Or Anyway, all not, not all Tellarites look alike anyway, so. That's right. You know, what do I know? I'm not a Tellarite expert. I've read five books, though. Yeah. That have Tellarites in them, so there you go. I podcast about it. I must know. You know what? That's so funny you say that, because I read, of course, the Star Trek novels, and we review them here on the show, and they did on literary tracks, and there's people that refer to me sometimes as, oh, yeah, well, Bruce is you know a Trek-lit expert. And I don't, I'm like, no, just because I read the books and I talk about, I'm not an expert yeah. <laughs> on the novels. Dan's the expert. <laughs> well, you've got an expert on the show, so. <laughs> That's right. Now, Dan's hearing this and rolling his eyes going, no, I'm not an expert either. But anyway. Yeah. None of us are experts. We just like talking about it. Yes. But one thing I did like about this episode among other things, is we always get these character moments because Mariner's like, why are you guys acting this way? Why are you treating me this way? And Boimler and Rutherford are questioning if, you know, Mariner, she's really a friend? If she's like the secret ops officer or something or agent? And and is she just using us or is she just hiding behind us because we're lower decks? And so we do find out when Mariner gets trapped in the booby trap <laughs> that, well, first of all, she doesn't want to get eaten alive. So, and the Ferengi are on their way or whatever's going to happen. But we have this moment where they find out that she acts like the way she does. And she made up this whole story about being a secret agent because she wants to keep jerks away. And they're like, and she can't believe they would believe a story like this anyway. And they're like, well, you know, you're such a great person that we wouldn't think you'd want to be friends with someone like us anyway. And she's oh, like, it's all sweet. And you want to hug, you know? It is. Yes. That was the feel good moment. Yes. And it's interesting because they're sort of following that storyline of questioning, like, who is your friend? Because with Rutherford and Tendi, 
Like Tendy was worried because Rutherford with his change, with his ocular things, like his personality, he likes pears now. Um, you know, <laughs> yes. she was worried that, oh, he's not going to be my friend. And then we've got another concern. Oh, are you really my friend? Like it seems to be discussed quite a bit. And I'm wondering if they will solidify the friendship for everyone. Because it seems like they're getting like last week was Mariner and Tendi, and they solidified that friendship, right? And then Tendi and Rutherford, they solidified that friendship. And so now we're solidifying Mariner, Boimler, and Rutherford. Yeah. I think that's what they said this season with they were trying to mix up. They didn't want it to be like there's the Mariner Boimler friendship mm-hmm. and the Tendi Rutherford friendship if they want to build it between the four of them. But you're right. They seem to call out friendship a lot in these mm-hmm. episodes. That seems to be the theme almost of every episode is what is the friendship and how, you know, we want to be closer than what we are, you know, at mm-hmm. some point mm-hmm. they're going to be so close that you can't get any closer, <laughs> you know? Well, and you know, plus you can, you, one can identify with opening up and how risky and scary that is, you know, and I'm sure amongst lower deckers, like you're getting changed stations, you're, you know, so you might not have the time or the inclination to start building lasting friendships. Cause I mean, that does take effort and it does take time. I mean, I bounced around from school to school, uh, at one point in my career and you know, I was at one place for only two years. You can't really develop, you know, major when you're bouncing around like that. So it's it's nice to see that. And I'm wondering are, how they're going to expand that if they are. If they, is that going to happen for other relationships with the bridge? I, I don't know. It would be interesting to see. I think they will do that. Yeah, I, I would be interested to see that. And then I'm starting to realize that this episode is really calling out to us, Amy, because... We have not put in the time and the effort into our friendship lately. We mentioned that earlier. And, and now we've learned a lesson at the very end we of the have. episode. So yes. I'll talk to you in another yeah. two years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, one last thing. Well, not one last thing. Um, I want to talk about the beginning and the end. One thing at the beginning okay. is when we get the theme song playing, we're seeing more ships attacking the Borg. Did you notice that? You know, the no, yeah, go back and watch it. There's like Klingon ships now and stuff. Like every week, they're like building more and more ships into that battle scene. Ooh, yeah. At first, I was like, wait, did I miss this before? I'm sure those Klingon ships weren't there before. And then when we did the live show, people were like, yeah, uh-huh. that, that was new. So we may be seeing wow. different ships or added ships every week to that. Wow. Okay. So is that like. A premonition of what's to come? I don't know. Or does the Cerritos show up to different Borg battles that look the same all the time, just with more ships? <laughs> and they turn away every single time. And that's what right? I want to see. Well, we see at one point the Cerritos actually go into the battle and right. fight it. You know? Like, why would it be in the opening sequence? Like, that's got to be something to come. Um, I don't know. Or they're just playing around, having fun Ooh. with it. I don't know. Okay, we need to know. I need to know. We have to ask Q. He knows. Yes. So then at the end of the episode, we have Kink's Magato land. <laughs> yes. And Mr. Hyde has to shovel the dung there. Because they have to open up a gift shop. Exactly. It's all about marketing. It's all about marketing. And I'm hoping that Star Trek will take 
a little lesson from today's episode and start marketing a little bit more and get some profitability out of us fans. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they will. You know what? One thing I want is a the Gorn doll that was in Freeman's shelf. So when oh. Mr. Hyde was like, oh, I need a shell and I need this. and that, He wants all the things there. He yes. wants a little Gorn doll. I have a little Ray doll from Star Wars that got at Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland. Oh. And so now I want one of the Gorn. So I'll have Gorn and yes. Ray fight each other. <laughs> Perfect. So I want a little Gorn doll like that. But here's the funny thing about it. Like how we are as fans and canon and everything needs to connect. You have something like Memory Alpha, which I just referred to earlier. How does Lower Decks work into the Memory Alpha stuff? Like as a serious Star Trek fan, you're looking for certain things and then you get to Kink's Mugato land in there and you just go like, is this really now real? I guess. Well, they had in Discovery Season 3 that sanctuary for that animal with Book. I know. Yeah, no, I know. So, I mean, it's sort of like you're saying. It's real life taken to the extreme. Exactly, yes. I guess, yes. And, and, yeah, and Discovery in Season 1 was the protected uh, Gormagander. So, there's been conservation talked about before i know so, but it's just a funny like name it. kinks yeah. Magado land <laughs> it's just it just sounds funny like like you'd go into memory alpha seriously that oh it's from a cartoon okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then the Magado twins oh yeah that that's what mariner tells honus, honus. there at the bar mm-hmm. yeah yep And so she's off to start another rumor. And I love it. I can't wait (laughs) when Rutherford and Boimler find out (laughs) that they're Mugato twins. (laughs) Yeah, I hope we see that. (laughs) By the way, so when I looked up Patingi, I Mm -hmm. did it in a search into Bing, because that's the search engine that came up. I usually use Google, but this time Bing came up. But anyway, the other thing it brought up was if you do a search for Patingi, it also suggests painting ideas, techniques, and tips from HGTV. So, oh. for some reason, Patingi is related to painting on HGTV. <laughs> so All right. Good to know. That's the other lesson of the day. So I don't have anything else. We covered just about everything. I'm sure we missed something, but I, I, I'm good. So, are you good with Freeman and... Her husband living apart on different ships, doing different things, but still together. And we're seeing a little bit more of him, but more of like a cautionary warning. I mean, I'm good with it. I don't care if they're together or not. Hmm. <laughs> what do you what do you think? I guess I just wonder why they chose to have them the same level or is he is he an admiral yeah he's an admiral she's a captain okay yeah Yeah. so she's do we ever get to see them together not yet at least i know you want like a little family reunion it makes me feel that the captain freeman is lonely yeah she could be yeah yeah i don't know it just sort of hit me and when i saw him i was like they're never together do they get 
they need their time. I'm I'm worried for them. I'm, <laughs> I'm really worried. <laughs> Counselor Troy is coming out in me. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Well, because she didn't have a great relationship with her daughter, it's gotten better, right, right over time. Yeah. She's not with her husband, but they do talk often, it appears. So. It appears, yeah. At some point, I'm sure we're going to see them like meet up yeah. somewhere. I don't mean like you know, the Magados did at the log, but I mean, <laughs> like, just like, whatever. They Hey, it's good seeing you again. <laughs> yeah, and talking more personal stuff every time we see them that's always mission related. I don't know. I just I I really appreciate uh Captain Freeman and I really liked her after listening to do you listen to the pod directive with Tony Newson and Yes. Yeah. And so they had the mother show and they had Tony Newson's actual mother and then her cartoon mother Yes. And it was Don Lewis. Yeah. What a wonderful podcast. I absolutely loved it. And I just, I fell in love with Captain Freeman. And so I want to see more of her. That's all. I like Don Lewis's Jalisa on a different world too. So that was back in the day in the eighties. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was in college at the time that show was on. So it was like the perfect time to watch that. So, yeah. I don't know. I think that's it. Unless, yeah. you know, do you want to give like your final thoughts on this episode? You know, it's been interesting watching Lower Decks because when they first made the announcement, I was like, oh man, I just don't know how I'm going to do animation. I'm not a big cartoon person at all. I didn't watch Rick and Morty or it's, I've seen maybe two episodes of Simpsons. I just, I just don't do it. But after giving it a chance, I really am enjoying and I'm easier to say, yep, that humor wasn't for me and still roll with it and still enjoy it. Um, Like I mentioned at the top of the episode, there's some things that it just it didn't work for me. But the other things that do, I really enjoy and am love seeing what they're doing with Star Trek. And I love, again, this diversity and how much we're getting for all different types I mentioned on another podcast, I was able to wear my Lower Decks uniform into school one day because we had Spirit Week and it was aliens versus cowboys, which I don't know what that is in reference to, but I'm like aliens, um, Star Trek. So I wore my Lower Decks uniform and of course kids know I'm into Star Trek. And so, you know, I got the, oh, I like your uniform, da, da, da. But I had, Bruce, two of my students come up and say, that's a lower decks uniform. They knew specifically that it was lower decks. And I'm like, this is exactly the best time to be Trek because we're getting these new followers, new watchers coming in. And then they're going to be a little bit more curious because I'm now telling, Oh, well, this is my favorite season and this is my favorite series. And, and they're, actually understanding it a little bit more so i'm excited yeah excited where star trek is going that's good to hear and i think it is important that how they've been doing the different series that one can be a little more this direction the other is more this direction this is for this audience this is for that audience Mm -hmm. we have prodigy coming out that's geared towards even younger kids uh and of course lower decks has its own sense of humor and it's approach to Star Trek that's different from other Star Trek series. But I've enjoyed seeing my youngest daughter, who's a senior in high school, occasionally 
will come into the room and go, oh, wait, is this that lower decks thing that the Rick and Morty guys or whatever? I'm like, yeah. And she'll watch some of it with me and she'll be laughing at me and she enjoy it. And she's not into Star Trek. She's only really cared for like the Kelvin timeline movies. Those are the Mm -hmm. only ones she really liked. But uh, yeah, just seeing her watch. I don't know if that's going to have her watch any other Star Trek or not, but yeah, just to expose that. And I didn't realize you had an, Lower Decks uniform. So my wonderful friends at STLV came in from San Diego and they were like, listen, we bought this Lower Decks thing, um, but it had the little um, breast darts in it. And so they're like, this is for a female and we don't have the boobies. And so they gave it to me at STLV. So then I got a uniform. Nice. It only cost me a drink at the masquerade bar, which I was happy to pay. Oh, of course. Oh, you'll do that even without somebody giving you a uniform. <laughs> so what color is it? Yellow. Oh, interesting. I know. And I absolutely love it. That yellow is so bright. And Bruce, my new favorite badge is the Lower Decks Com Badge. Love the simplicity, the basicness of it, but it just stands out. It's beautiful. And I got it at the fan sets. Yeah, well, fan sets, you're doing a great job, but you know, yeah. it's been over a month since I've ordered my 32nd century badge and I'm still waiting for it. Uh-oh. Dan's well, gotten you know. his. I'm still <gasps> waiting on mine. Oh, well, you know, no, it wasn't Lou's Dan. daughter got married. Who? So he's Lou's the owner. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's he's in wedding mode right now, but he I'm sure will get it out as soon as possible. He's great. Okay, cool. Yeah, I yeah. I I know I'm going to get it. I'm not in a yeah. big rush anyway. No, it wasn't Dan, it's somebody else I know that got it. I can't remember who, mm. but someone I know already got there. Oh, it was Brandy Jackula. She got hers. Oh. Yeah. So, anyway, well that's cool. I didn't know you had the I have to look I want to see a picture. I did not noticed that I didn't if it was on social media I missed it no and because STLV was my first week of school I really was only there Saturday all day and uh, Sunday because okay. I had to work I and know I couldn't take it off because well, it was the first week of school and I hear it's, it's gonna well yeah I remember you complaining about that last year so I have talked to you yeah. sooner because I remember yeah. us talking about this and you're yeah. like why they do it later because it's the first week of school and I can't take off when the first week and mm-hmm. then I hear that it's going to be a little later in August, but yes. you may have more flexibility to take off. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. As, I will be taking those days off and I will be back to Trek Amy in full form. Nice. Well, maybe I'll get to there next year. We'll see. I know yes. it's not the Rio, but yeah, you know, that's fine. I'm, I'm yeah. fine with that. Uh, so I will be more than likely... In Las Vegas in January for the Consumer Electronics Show again. Oh, great. Oh, you're coming to CES. All right. Well, unless, you know, they go virtual. Because I was supposed to go to a different convention, industry convention in October, and they just announced this week it's now virtual. So I'm not attending. So I'm assuming CES is still happening, but... They're still having tons of stuff going on in Vegas, so... Yeah. Yeah, lots of concerts and, and games and, you know... So I'm, I'm really pretty confident it's going to happen. Okay. Well, yeah, good. So then you'll uh, let me know. Oh, sure. We can see each other. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, well, if people want to find you, not in Las Vegas, but online, where can they find you? Well, I'm on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson. And as I mentioned before, doing a couple podcasts, if you like next generation, uh, check us out on galaxy class. 
and all good things for general classic Trek. And I also do a little show, Union Federation, on the Fandom Podcast Network. And that we, oh, it's really fun. We talk about the Orville and compare it with Star Trek. And we cover the new Trek as well. Yeah. Orville, is that coming out uh, season three sometime next year? Next year, yes. We finally, it was the story dropped, I think, two weeks ago that they finished filming uh, for season three. So we should be getting that next year. Nice. And that'll be exclusively on Hulu, at least here in the States. Yes. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And, And I'm also occasionally on Literary Treks doing some books. And I'm on the Star Wars Report, which is, this is its final year for that podcast, unless something changes. We'll see. But that's it. That's it. And of course, we have our discussion group on Facebook for Positively Trek, which we all enjoy everybody in that group. It's safe and until somebody comes in and ruins it. But so far, so good. <laughs> and then we have our patron thing on Patreon. So if you can go on a patron and help support the show a little financially, whether it's a dollar, five dollars, whatever amount you want to do per month you know, is appreciated. And we've got a few more patrons just in the last couple of weeks. I must be doing something right here on the show because we got some more patrons. I hadn't thought about that. I, I'm doing good, Amy. I'm you doing are. Good. <laughs> they like you. They really like you. Or they're paying me to get Dan back. <laughs> <laughs> more than likely, that's it. <laughs> so, Well, thanks again, Amy, for joining me. Thank you. And uh, I'll see you in a few months. And thanks for everyone for listening. And remember, stay positive. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.